Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you want to start a podcast but feel overwhelmed by post-production, I have just the tool for you. Pod Machine is an all-around podcast tool that handles all of the nitty-gritty after you record each episode. It does all of the heavy lifting for you, from audio production, podcast design, and marketing. It is the most convenient podcast tool in the market. And with the help of Pod Machine, you will sound like a pro, minus the back-breaking work. Sign up now and get a free episode trial. And once you're convinced of how good it is, you can start your membership for as low as $49.99 for four episodes per month. But wait, there's more. Use my code GREENERSIDE and you get one free episode credit upon subscribing. Head on to podmachine.com and leave the dirty work to them so that all that you have to do is the fun stuff. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Hi everyone. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe for free on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hello everyone and welcome to the Greener Side Podcast, your guide to all things immigration with me, Kring Lakson. And today we are going to Netherlands. Today I am here with Sinch Molina. She moved to Netherlands last August 2019 under a student visa where she studied her master's for one year. She took media studies, specializing in new media and digital culture research at Utrecht University. And now she is working as a marketing executive for Dyson Benelux Marketing. Hi, Cinch. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, Kring. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you to our mutual friend, Jermaine, for yes introducing us to each other. Hi, Jermaine. Since before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course, why not? Normally, it's uh, talking about yourself is really hard, no? But uh, yeah, okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Sinch. I'm 31 years old. I'm also a mom of an eight-year-old girl. I'm currently lo- living in Utrecht, so you said the city properly, <laughs> which is somewhere in the center of the Netherlands. And yes, as you mentioned earlier, I work for Dyson Technology, doing the marketing for the Benelux market. Prior to coming to the Netherlands, I was building a career in quite a volatile industry so that's advertising all kinds of shift were happening especially from traditional media to digital media that really made me question my position in that industry but at some point i was just stuck and i was working 24/7 because you're competing against other agencies for the business um even on holidays i was working ultimately i knew i needed to really learn from another place and that's when i realized that this dream of mine to be abroad or to to do a master that that was the perfect moment to start mobilizing that dream or that goal so the choice of going to the netherlands just all came together 
So in that course of self-reflection during that really shaky period of my career, I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing this process of applying for a master's degree in different countries. And my first choice, like any other Filipino, was a native English-speaking country. You know what I mean? Like USA, Australia, because we also have mm-hmm. relatives there. Like LA is an extension of the Philippines. You know, Australia is yeah. also an extension of the <laughs> Philippines. So you have a relative there to help you out. And those are kind of the low-hanging fruit of your choices. And yeah, I, I started doing an application at NYU at some point and then Trump won. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, and then I started also applying for universities in Australia and I realized how expensive they are and even your rights as a student there, you don't immediately become a resident. So all that stuff I, I, I took into consideration and eventually I met my boyfriend and he's Dutch. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking into it. We were in like a, a almost two-year kind of long-distance relationship where I would see him in the Netherlands and he would see me in the Philippines. And then that's when I realized, nah, okay, let's try the Netherlands. And I found out that the Netherlands is one of the best non-native English-speaking European countries. So I was like, okay, uh, they have a lot of these English-taught masters. Some of them are just one-year courses. So why not explore? And I and I did that. I, I started doing the process of the application, taking the IELTS exam. And then I found myself here in Utrecht. And the rights of... Uh, of, of, of well, well, we'll talk about it more later, but you know, your rights as a student here is pretty, it's pretty good compared to how it is in other English speaking countries where, you know, and, and the tuition fee is also not that stellar. Mm-hmm. Like if you do it in the US or you do it in Australia, it's quite a big investment. So yeah, it all came together and I, I'm here. Wow. Um, very, inform- uh, very information <laughs> laden. Parang nasabi mo yata yung buong life story mo, Cinch. So. Importante yun because your motivation to go abroad is very important. That's what pushes you to do the first step. And the first step is normally the biggest step, which is to do that research and to start the process. And, you know, like as simple as getting your transcript of records, it's already like the big step. Because alam mo, ito na yon. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, okay, before I ask you about the visas, you mentioned na yung, yung monetarily, financially, you know, it's not as expensive to study in Netherlands as it is in other yeah. countries. So from your experience, how much was the tuition like more or less average? The average would be from 10,000 to 16,000 euros for one program. And I think compared to Australia, for example, when I applied for a university in Australia, it was about 35K for one year. So 35,000 Australian dollars for one year. And the program is two years for you to be able to have some kind of residence or a tenure in, in certain countries. But the kind of type of study that it is, is a kind of a point system. Whereas mm-hmm. here, if you are a student here, you immediately are considered a resident. So kind bagay is what really kind of sold the Netherlands as my greener side because all the rights that come with it or all the different paths that come with it, it's a step, it's a path. It could be a longer path to get to where you want to go but it's a path you know and it, it, it secures you to going to that place yeah and and that money that that 10,000 to 16,000 yeah it, it is kind of a big investment but it's not as heavy like some universities abroad you need to pay that upfront right you need to pay mm-hmm. that 35k or for your two years upfront and that's not 
yeah, that's not that's not an easy thing to do. It's a very privileged thing to have. So yeah, I thought for for most people this is a good option to explore because it's not at least that expensive. But you know, later on we'll find out that there's more things that we need to consider when when we when somebody tries to apply for like a higher education here. Yeah, exactly. And I, I agree with your point that it might be expensive, no? Because ten thousand euros is six hundred thousand pesos, but in yeah. more or less. But compared to let's say Australia, which I I chide ko nga siya before kasi gusto ko mag-study sa Australia but when I found out that it was yeah 35,000 Australian dollars equivalent to about 1.2 million pesos sabi ko ay wag na <laughs> wala akong pera but yeah apart from Netherlands being a little bit you know relatively cheaper mas madali yata maging resident jaan when you're a student as opposed yeah. to yeah if you study in the UK or in US or in Australia papahirapan ka muna before you become a resident. So, since to be able to get that student visa, what exactly did you need? So, for anything, I think you've also heard this from other people, like for anything you need a sponsor, right? And in my case it was the university. And once you get a residence permit here, whether it is temporary for study. So for me, it was study as purpose of stay. So you always have a purpose of stay here. You are immediately considered as a resident. So as a resident, you get to include that in your tenure here. But as a student, it's 50% of your time as a student visa. So for example, if you are a student for one year here, only 50% of that time is considered when, for example, you want to change that purpose of stay for something else, like looking for work, which you can do if you eventually graduate from a program here. Yeah, so that's something I will also kind of touch on later. And as a te- temporary resident, you can also get a burger service number or like a, a citizen service number or your social security number. And with that, you can do a lot of things. You can register in an address. You can open a bank account. You can have a digital ID, which is like their centralized ID system. And as long as you have that, you change your address there. It changes everything for you. So like your address mo sa bank mo, your address mo sa school mo, everything. It changes everything for you. So having that social Social security number is very important. And once you've had that here, it's easier to change for whatever purpose you you want to be here. It's that so much easier. And if you also are under a student visa, you're allowed to get rent allowance and you can work. So you are allowed to do like 16 hours of work. But even for that, you need a sponsor. So for me, the most efficient way that I got to get money was to do an internship because your sponsor is still the university. So here to get an internship, you need to be a student. You need to be enrolled in a university. You need to show that to your contract that you are enrolled in a university. So as long as your university is your sponsor, you can do anything. Uh, for me, the internship was with a Unilever. And internships can be paid or unpaid. For paid, the lowest I've heard was about 250. I had about 550, 600, and that's also taxable. And you asked earlier kind of what was the process of getting that visa or finding what you, what you need. So 
since the university if you're, is your sponsor, you need to, of course, get uh, an offer from them, like a program that mm-hmm. you got accepted into this program. And if you are not part of the European economic area, but you are part of the favored countries like USA, Canada, South Korea, Japan, all you need is a residence permit. But since we're we're, we're not a favored country, <laughs> we're from the Philippines, <laughs> the humble archipelago that is the Philippines, you have to also apply for an entry visa. I think you've heard of this before, you know, like maybe you had something like it that you need a visa to enter the country and then you get your residence permit. And that's the good thing about being a student here you you become a resident as soon as you arrive in this country so normally the entry visa you get it before you enter and then the residence permit you collect it in the municipal where you intend to stay so for me i collected it in utrecht your resident as a student is normally valid for your whole study plus two months or three months after that like 90 days after your graduation so that kind of gives you some time to think okay, do I want to change my purpose of stay? Mm-hmm. And you can do that. There are different visas out there that will help you stay longer in the country after your study. So one of those visas, we call it an orientation year visa or a Zukiar visa. So it's a year that you can search for a job or even just work without showing any financial means of stay. Whereas pag student ka, when you have to apply for a student visa here, you need to show that you are financially able to sustain yourself. So that's another requirement. The typical student expense based on the calculation of immigration is 950 euros. So that includes your rent and perhaps your food or whatever books that you, you need to spend on here. And you need to have 950 for the 12 months that you will be here. So 950 per month for 12 months? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 950 times 12, you need to show that to the immigration and your tuition fee. Either you've paid it or it's already there in someone's bank account. So for me, I also had a sponsor letter. So financial sponsor. That was my uh, saint of a mom. She didn't want me to do it in the Netherlands. She wanted me to do it in Australia. That's why I already had that kind of advantage that I have a mom who was supportive of this decision. And you need to have that letter that somebody will financially sponsor you. And this is kind of the proof. Mm -hmm. So a lot of proofing, you know, you need to prove that you have money basically to, to be able to stay in this country. So those are, those are some of the documents. So apart from, uh, let me try to summarize that you need, of course, the offer from the university. You need to show that you paid the university. You need to have your travel documents ready. That would be your passport. If you have previous visas, that also helps them assess your application and of course your financial needs. So your 950 euro times 12 months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So kumbaga 52,000 pesos per month for the duration of your study yeah yeah that includes already the rent perhaps food and other things that you might end up spending on like transportation Mm-mm. you mentioned kanina na kailangan mo ng sponsor but you can also work 16 hours a week when yeah. you're a student yeah would you need like a separate sponsor a separate document for that Yes, that's 16 hours. You need a sponsor for it. So, for example, if you want to work in a cafe, uh, you would still need the cafe to say that we're sponsoring you. And nobody really does that, you know. So you have to kind of think of other ways to sustain yourself. Like if you want to become an under-the-table content manager for some app like Facebook. (laughs) I was a content uh, 
moderator for Bumble, you know, like I earned some euros by just screening people's posts <laughs> or what, what people do in the app and uh, see if anybody's being nasty. You know, I did that as like a part-time thing. There are many ways. And like I said, if, if you can do an internship because that's immediate experience in the country, you know, that's considered here. If you do an internship, that's a serious job already. People consider that as work experience and you are working in that market or in that region. So that's good. But of course, it's going to take some time away from your master's. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a hard thing to balance, like, especially if you're in a new environment. So it's, 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 it's tricky. Yeah. And so you need a sponsor if you want a part-time job. So when you get your student visa, it doesn't come with the condition still that you can work part-time. You can, you can work 16 hours. They see that you are allowed to work. But the, for example, a company, like if you want to be somebody in Apple who's just a receptionist there, they still have to sponsor you. And what I learned from people in the Netherlands, they don't want to do the paperwork. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. If they have to hire you and do some kind of tricky paperwork, they don't want to do it. So I don't know a lot of people here or a lot of Philippines here who did a part-time job that was by the record normally it's off the record so there are jobs out there that will be like okay sure i'll hire you but you don't know your rights if you are doing it under the table so it's up to you how you want to do it there are a lot of jobs online as well you can do something online um, yeah that's that's my advice yeah because i suppose for our aspiring kababayans who want to study in netherlands it's very important for them to find a part-time job while yeah, they're I mean, studying I guess if that is the way that it works in Netherlands, medyo lagana pang under the table for students. Oh, no, man. There's a lot. And stud students will always find their way to survive here. There are means. And if you end up making the right friends, or you can also work for the university. That's also another thing that some students did because the university offers that as well. Like if they already sponsor you, so might as well employ you as well. Like you want to do some some kind of part-time job with one of the departments in the universities, you can do that. Mm. But yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I ended up yeah doing an internship for six months and that, that really helped me get some money, even though mm. it's not a lot. But there are internships that really pay higher amounts compared to the others. So, but also more demanding. So you need to balance that out. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting to find this out about their student visas. Ha? So by definition of sponsoring, if you have a part-time job, ibig ba sabihin, they'll just submit later on yung document stating na, okay, she works for us. And pakilagay na lang sa visa information niya yan. Ganon? Yeah, something like that. They have to do some paperwork, submit it also to hired immigration, and it needs to show in your BSN or your service number, social service, citizen service number, that you are paying some tax because you are working for this company. So everything is recorded and right. That's that's the whole purpose of it. Right. Okay, is there any other thing apart from yung sponsorship ng school, tas yung proof of financial means mo, and the, the normal travel documents, NBI, is there anything else? I think it's important to note that the education system here is different. So even before applying for a visa, when you're applying for a university, they have certain requirements on your bachelor's degree. So there is a certain type of conversion that they follow. So they have a governing body called NUFIC and they evaluate your bachelor's degree. What is its equivalence here in the Netherlands? 
So I learned the hard way that my bachelor's degree in the Philippines is not considered a university bachelor here. So they have different Ouch. types. <laughs> oh, 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 ba? Dalawang major yon na hindi considered university <laughs> bachelors. <laughs> Exactly. And and they have, you asked before, like, ano ba yung education systems compared to the Philippines? So you, you need to do your research or do the extra step of having your diploma certified by this governing body or evaluated by this governing body to make sure that if you apply to a university with your degree, that is considered as what they're looking for. So the education system here is a bit different. They have a WO, so that's like a research bachelor. And then you have the technical bachelor. So those are like the technical universities. These are like the more professional jobs like IT when you're doing everything applied so anything applied that's if you're doing like more camera works etc then that's that's a technical side and then you also have the research side of things which is all theories etc and that's the university degree and then you also have like technical science degree and there's also more of like the vocational degrees so most of the time, if you look at that website in Nuffic, these are information that are free to everybody. You go to Nuffic, you search for the Philippines, and then they show you what your bachelor is equivalent to. For me, it was one bachelor, like one four-year bachelor in the Philippines is considered just two years of technical bachelor here. Right. Yeah, indeed. So <laughs> they have a certain standard here that uh, you have to be careful when you are applying to universities because an application fee is like 100 euros. That's 6,000. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of money that, that you already start investing on apart from taking your IELTS, apart from ordering your transcript of records. Uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's a cost. So these, these costs, you need to think about it and also do the right research, look at the right materials before you even begin the application process. For me, I learned that the hard way. I had two universities who had to reject me technically because my bachelor is not equivalent to what they were looking for and had I gone the extra step of going to Nuffic and having my diploma certified although that's also addition cost to have it certified then they could have like said okay we'll consider it as something else or as, 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 as a research bachelor or something like that but thankfully there are some universities here like where I went to or where I got accepted to which is Utrecht University that really looked into your capabilities so if your bachelor is not a research bachelor they give you a task like okay do a, a research essay and you do the research essay and you, you show that you are able to do what they are going to ask you to do during the master then they will accept you so there are some universities here that, that are a little less snobbish and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah okay that's so, a good thing to know before you, uh, you you even start the process yeah so this governing body NUFEC converts your your bachelor's or your master's or whatever degree you obtained wherever you were in the world into yung equivalent in the Netherlands mm -hmm. but from what I'm getting this step of converting it is completely optional to you? Yeah, it's optional. The website, of course, offers a very straightforward conversion. Mm -hmm. But for example, you just want to take that extra step to just make sure not only for the university you're applying to, but also for yourself before you move on, that your bachelor is going to be considered as something here. Exactly. And it's also when you are finding work here, like you still need to get your bachelor converted because that gives people an, an, an idea of what your educational background is. Because people here don't understand our education 
educational system the same way that we don't understand theirs. They only just base it on those. Did they do a vocational? Did they do a research master? Or did they do or a research bachelor? Or did they do like a, an applied science or technical course? Yeah. So that's important for them to understand here. Yeah. So NUFEC or converting your diploma is optional but highly recommended just to save you from like the hassle or yung the pain of uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> Getting really going through extra yeah. steps in case hindi pala applicable yung diploma mo sa school na inapplyan mo. Yeah. 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 And you had to also take IELTS for the school. Yeah. I had to take IELTS as well. In Australia, your if your university can issue a certificate saying English is our medium of instruction, that's good enough for them to consider that you can understand or go through the program. But because the Netherlands has so many international people applying here, that's they're very standardized. You know, like for example, I told you about Nufik. There's a standard there. They just have a checklist. Basically, if ma check mo yon checklist na yon, then you're good. So if your IELTS say that you can speak this, this, or like you can understand English this much based on this score, then well, you're definitely considered. So it's not compared to, for example, in the US where you. Your motivation letter is like you're deciding one of the deciding factors. You know, you have to make this really LinkedIn yeah. type kind of inspirational <laughs> motivation letter. It's not like that here. You just state that you want to do the study. This is the reason. Very straightforward, but you need to check also the checklist because they they, they welcome international students here. That's also like the cash cows of the universities because you're course. paying the institutional fee, right? <laughs> you're paying that 16,000 euros. So they most likely would love to welcome you here, but they also have that checklist. And for Dutch institutions, that's their basis of everything. If they make it standardized that way, it makes it easier for them to make a decision in Instead of like considering making it very subjective, they make it into like a clear-cut criteria of what it should be. Yeah, so the IELTS is a requirement of the school itself and not yeah. for the visa application. No, no, yes, it's for it's, the school. All right, that's clear. And for our Kababayans, if you want more information about the complete requirements of the student visas for Netherlands, just check out our show links. Kasi nandun ang lahat ng links na kailangan ninyo. But since how long did the whole processing of the visa take you? So the university is the one who gives that timeline because they first apply. If you need an entry visa, for example, and a residence permit, your application is earlier. So you need to apply for the school and pay your tuition at a certain time because the, 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 the visa fee is also included in your tuition. So for me, visa application started indeed in June. For, yeah, was it June? Yeah, it was June. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't, the visa application doesn't take too long. Like it took them two months to apply for my visa or less. But gathering all the things that you need to apply for it took me from March until June, until I decided that I will pay for that tuition fee. Mm -hmm. It wasn't long. Yeah. So it wasn't that long. Two months. But two months. Yeah. yeah another, take, give yourself another few months just to gather all of the documents that you need. Yeah. And post-COVID, are there any changes to the requirement for the student visa? There wasn't a lot of changes. I know that there were some delays for some people, but certain types of visas are more prioritized than others. So, for example, partnership visa, they already have like a longer timeline for that. Um, but student visas are shorter. So 
based on that, it was not too difficult for other international students to get a visa here. It was more of, is it even worth it still? Because most of the classes were online. But in terms of delays, it was the residence permit that took longer. So the entry visa, it's always fast, but the residence permit, that might take a little longer. And if you are waiting for a residence permit, they will just give you a sticker if your entry visa has expired. Mm-hmm. Because the entry visa is valid for 90 days. So they'll just give you a sticker saying that you're still waiting for your residence permit. So that's you're good. Yeah, that's right. Because when you apply for this visa and you get approved, they don't give you the visa again. They just give you an entry visa yeah. para makapasok ka sa Netherlands. Yeah, and then you get a residence permit afterwards. Yeah, yeah and you get a residence from permit. They will uh, find you wherever you may live and then send you tamaba uh, some a mail or an email saying where you could get it yeah you can choose where to get it so all the cities have a municipal and you can choose a municipal where you're going to claim or like an ind an immigration office where you can claim your your id so mm-hmm. it's it's not that hard to claim it it's more of just the waiting just game the period yeah, <laughs> yeah. The residence permit also states what your rights are. So if people look at the back of your ID, it can say that you are here for study as a purpose of stay. These are the rights like section something of something. So they know that you cannot work full time or it also has their the validity of your residence permit. So it's it, it's important to have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned nga kanina na after mo mag-study, marami namang options para mag-stay ka dyan. So for students, they have... Uh, Various options, including yung orientation year visa. So I mentioned earlier, there's always a path to somewhere. So if you come here, of course, as a student, if you eventually want to be hired as a highly skilled migrant, for example, so you have two types of visas after you graduate. You have the highly educated person visa, which is the orientation year. What that means is you graduated from a Dutch institution or from the top 200 schools worldwide. If you can prove that, that you graduated from the top 200, you are entitled to stay here for a whole year without financial proof, like without showing them have 950 euros a month, <laughs> to search for a job or to even immediately work. And then there's also the highly skilled migrant visa, which you are hired as an employee as a highly skilled employee. But that step is, there's a lot of things that you need to be <laughs> So that you are granted that visa. Because in the end, it is decided by the immigration if you are highly skilled, if the job requires a highly skilled person. Because in the Netherlands, it's everybody has an equal opportunity. Everybody has the same type of education. If you take a master's degree here, somebody from your office or from where you're doing your internship is probably doing their second master already or something like that. People here can just take as much education as they want. Yeah, so it's very competitive and to be considered highly skilled, the company who wants to sponsor you as a highly skilled migrant need to prove that you are that person. They need to prove that a Dutch local could not fulfill this position, that they tried to hire somebody from the European Union, and this person was also not specialized enough for it. And then eventually, they can hire somebody outside the European Union. And they they need to have those papers to prove, hey, I put this ad on LinkedIn, I did these different examinations for this person, and I ended up seeing that this non-European person is the person fit for it. So that visa is kind of very difficult to get if you want to immediately come here as an employee 
or you want to be hired after an, a Dutch education or like a, doing a Dutch university here. But if you do it through a master's program or through a study here, it's a little bit easier because you are considered as a highly educated person. So you can get that visa or they can, the highly skilled migrant has a minimum salary. That's a really high salary. Mm-hmm. There's very little jobs here in the Netherlands, even for the Dutch regulars who here at the salary in a highly skilled migrant is an expat in this country. They get shocked how 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 <laughs> big that salary is. That is the minimum. So if you are a highly educated person, that minimum is a little bit lower. So if you have a Dutch education here or you have the credentials as a highly educated person or you have a Zukiar visa, then that income is a little bit lower and there's more jobs in the market for you to apply for. And because, for example, if you have that visa that, that's Zukiar or the or One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Presentation your visa. It's easier for people to hire you and eventually convert you to a highly skilled because they don't need that big salary to yeah to support that. They also have they can also tell the immigration that we hired this person under this visa. She has this education, so therefore she is the person for this job. She's already been with us for a year, so the immigration will not deny that person of that opportunity because they've proven that you've been in this job and you are for that job. Whereas if you are coming here. As an, as an expat, a lot of the expats I know are either MBA graduates, so who, people who studied uh, an MBA here and then eventually got the highly skilled migrant visa immediately, or people who were hired elsewhere from Singapore, from Czech Republic, for example. So Filipinos mm-hmm. who first were expats elsewhere and then they were hired here. Or they're also like lateral movement. My sister is like that. So she she works in London and it was more of like she came from a company in Lo- that was based in the Philippines and moved to the office in London. So that's also another, another route. But that yeah. means that you need to be also very specialized. So she is the only person who knows how to do these things from that company. That's why they could move her internally to the office in London. So that's the general idea when you're coming to Europe, wherever you go, when you're going to apply or you're going to look for a job here offshore and you want a highly skilled migrant visa, you have to take note that you need to give them a reason to hire you because people everywhere else in the European economic area And in the Netherlands, for example, they're all capable of that job. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very important thing to know. That's also a way to manage expectations of our Kababayans because I've also tried that. I've also tried applying offshore, but I'm not highly skilled. <laughs> so, even if you find a company who's willing to get you, if they cannot prove that to the immigration, that you are amidst all these other people that are available in the job market or in, in mm-hmm. other European countries, right? Then, yeah. So I think it's even though the student visa takes a lot of steps for you to get to that point, it's a good foundation. It also helps you get to know who your competitors are. Like if you're in, in, in a university, you get to see, you know, you get to integrate yourself right away in, in class. Sino ba yung mga eventually mga people who will take the same job as you? 
And you also get to gain experience here by doing internships and you're allowed to do so. So I think it's still, it's still worth trying. It's a big investment, but if, if, if you really put your mind into it and you really have the right timing and did the research and start big first step, then it's, it's not impossible. Yeah, that is always the advice talaga of our previous interviewees that if you have that option to go the student route, you should take it because it just smoothens the process. And apart from that, you get an international diploma. So, so it's it's always better. But thank you for the insight about the student visa, <laughs> Cinch. So yeah, we will find out the culture after this short break. Hey, what's up? My name is Alton and I'm pretty sure you're enjoying this podcast and I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy mine as well. The name of my podcast is called Life on the Grow. If you want random book recommendations from a mediocre reader, that's me. Um, More life advice, kind of, and a little bit of random conversations. Check out Life on the Grow on Spotify and I'll be there waiting. We'll be at hand, of course. Let's keep growing. Let's keep going. Now back to this awesome podcast. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Greener Side Podcast, your guide to all things immigration with me, Kring Laxon, and Sinch Molina. And we are talking about the Netherlands. So, Sinch, let's talk about your experience of living there. What about the Netherlands initially, or even currently, is giving you some form of culture shock? I think when you come from a different country, like if you, in the Philippines, if you need something, everything is muscle memory. You know, you know who, what to say when you call the government, how long to wait, or if you're gonna go to the grocery, which aisle to go to. If you come to a new country, everything is new. Like the environment is new, even the text on the signs are new. That's that's very overwhelming in the beginning for me. I mean, even though if you come here understanding a little bit of the language, it's like, how do you approach some? Somebody in the street, if you want to ask them a question, it's just that building, parang recalibrating ba, mm, <laughs> parang you're you're building a new foundation for yourself in a new environment, which in the Philippines took you like your whole life to do, mm-hmm. and you have to do that like a crash course in a new country. So. That for me was very overwhelming in the beginning. But apart from that, I think the weather, <laughs> experiencing four seasons, it's a journey. So you know how people have a winter depression. Yes. I, in the beginning, like I was telling my boyfriend whenever he had winter depression, like, dude, st- stop, stop whining. Like other countries have bigger <laughs> problems, you know. And then I experience it here. <laughs> Because during summer, you have long summer days, right? Yeah. You have sunlight until 11 p.m. And that's where you get your energy. And then you switch to winter where you wake up, it's dark, you go to work, and then you come back, it's still dark. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. And you feel tired really quickly. And it's really cold. And it's... Nagi gets <laughs> mm-hmm. Why they get upset? Because this immediate shift from really happy long summer days to really short winter days that are extremely cold. I, I also experienced that. And it's the first time that I'm drinking vitamin D every day only because to prepare myself for those days where I will not have sunlight. <laughs> so that's that's also another shocking thing for me. Um, and they also don't have a really rich food culture. All of the food 
that is famous in the Netherlands come from other countries and they're always eating food cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're very functional people that they come with a cold sandwich or cold salad. That's that's functional food for them. And they take really short breaks. Like for me at work, 30 minutes is our break. In the Philippines, sometimes we take two hours right? and we yeah. socialize and we make it a big social event when we go on a break together. But here, everything is so, if, if you start work, at nine, you must finish at 5.30 because you have a life outside that. So those clear boundaries and also the short breaks to become more efficient, eventually I got a hold of it. <laughs> Even the cooking, because satin sa Pilipinas, process yung cooking. It's part of your experience. You put your soul into cooking dito. It's like you need to do it in five minutes because you need to eat and you need to finish. So that, that, was, what, <laughs> that was really shocking for me. And lastly... Kids are just everywhere. Parents don't care if the kids put their hands on something. They, they allow kids to mm. be free, to get all the germs, to get all the, the, the sickness that you get as a kid. If, if a kid in school has chicken pox, bring it to school so that everybody will have it. They, they are that bold when it comes to children. They, unlike us in the Philippines, we can't even leave our kid out of our sight because... It's dangerous. Here, kids can climb a tree. It's fine. If they fall, parents were like, good for you that you fell. Like, it's good training, yeah, <laughs> good yeah, life yeah. training, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's a bit different. Uh, they're a little bit more careless, I would say. Not, not careless in a bad way, but because they don't have those things to be scared of. They're not scared of kids getting sick. Uh, they even uh, encourage it so that they build their immune system. Those things are quite shocking. And I think last, last na to. Uh -oh. They don't go to the doctor, girl. They don't like going to the doctor. Like, <laughs> even if mama matay ka na, like you're having some kind of, or like having anxiety problems, or you're having a tooth that's just been aching for months. They're not going to do it un unless they really feel like they're dying. They don't want to go to the doctor. <laughs> so wow. I find it really strange because they would just say, the doctor would just issue me a paracetamol and that's it. And that's not, you know, I, I can do that myself, you know. So they don't feel the need. Whereas Thais of Pilipinas... We pay for our HMO premium, so mm -hmm. the slightest issue oh, we're gonna go there. Lang, exactly. <laughs> a lot of the things you mentioned are very similar to my experience here in New Zealand. Like what you said, first of all, about the kids. Ibang ayon style ng parenting ng ano no natin sa Pilipinas compared to let's say developed countries when i see parents here just letting their kids be free to do whatever they want and to just you know yung parang hindi hindi nakadikit yung parents all the time to their kids parang inisip ko oh my gosh am i gonna be a bad parent kasi feeling ko i'm gonna helicopter my child so badly <laughs> whereas the kids here just the parents let them do whatever they want. So that seems to be the experience that you have in Netherlands too. You mentioned that you have a daughter. Has it changed the way that you parent your daughter? I would say yes, because I'm in between. Because in the Philippines, we're very communal, right? We we say that it takes a village to raise a kid. Yung tita mo or yung kapitbahay mo na tumulong palakihin ka, you owe that person also your success, right? Whereas here, it's very individualistic. They train you immediately to be independent. Um, even the parents are functional, you know? <laughs> we're functional people in your life, right? They don't 
see you like in the Philippines we see our kids as our investment we take care of them we have to groom them or as here bahala ka sa buhay mo at some point may ganung ganun silang mindset which if you are a child it gives you more opportunities to explore and make mistakes and not feel like you're disappointing other people other than yourself so it's very individualistic and i'm somewhere in the middle where I encourage my kid to be very independent, but I'm there to guide her in the initial steps. So I like that mix. I don't mm-hmm. fully agree on just leaving them, you know, in, <laughs> to fend for themselves, you know, to pay for it. That's why people say going Dutch because Dutch people are very, there's also not like a, an income gap in terms of gender, gender gap in the income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because girls earn the same amount as boys so that they pay for things themselves and same like some parents don't even pay for their kids university degree here kasi kaya mo na yan yung, yung inaipon mo from work in a thing meron kang pera dyan, you can do it yourself so they're like that so I want to be somewhere in the middle where if my kid wants something I will support her but also give her the tools to be more independent Mm-mm. Oo nga, kapag tayo, no? Nung nag-college naman tayo, yung parents natin, o sige, babayaran namin lahat na. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dito kasi, you hear your friends saying, oh, I can't buy a house because of my student loan. I'm like, your tuition fee is like, what, 0.5% of my tuition? Parang gano'n, parang, hindi yun binayaran ng magulang mo. Parang, mm-hmm. i-judge mo pa yung magulang nila na hindi sila tinulungan to pay for their education. But, That's just the thing here. Like you're given the tools if you don't, for example, if you're a teenager and you want to pursue a certain degree, you can get an allowance from the government. They will give you everything. I remember in the Philippines, I went to Baler and there was like these three Swedish boys who were using their student allowance to set up a life there. <laughs> like, good for you that you have that student allowance, right? And that, right. that student allowance is like the conversion rate in the Philippines is like a salary of a, a working person. So good for you that you have that privilege. <laughs> yeah, th- which is why there's a lot of young European backpackers in Asia kasi marami sa kanila a lot of them they travel you know with the money that they save that but a lot of them is also from their student allowance or yung from yeah. government benefits from being unemployed yeah so, there's also that oh sarap ng buhay sana sana sa pinas may ganyan din tayo feel <laughs> ko nga parang mas nakoculture shock pa sila sa atin than tayo with them kasi you know when we 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 say things like yeah my parents did this for me or like i was not allowed to do this i was not allowed to do that they get shocked na parang but ganyan yung buhay mo like, even with when it comes to talking about visa and that constant feeling of needing to prove or fight for your spot mm. in this country whereas sila parang I'm just gonna go backpacking to Asia parang alam mo ba if we try to do that we need to go through these different proving ourselves na hindi yep. kami magiging liability in this country we have to do those things and at some point my boyfriend also didn't understand why I had drama in immigration <laughs> each time I'm in immigration like somebody's asking me questions like what are you gonna do in this country like I always feel nervous and he didn't understand why, where it was coming from and I said when Trump was president and I went to the US I got to like the secondary immigration and that's like the dark corner at the back <laughs> I don't know why I was placed there but I was probed and We we go through that. My my dad has like some fugitive who has the same name as him, and whenever we go to LA, he, he gets to the secondary immigration and always gets asked the same questions. Like he's not the guy, but you have that kind of feeling that you're doing something wrong, even though you you're not, and that's imposed to you <laughs> as a as a citizen of a third world country. 
yun nga yung napapansin ko sa mga ano sa ating mga fellow people from developed countries na shock sila pag nalalaman nila yung kapraningan natin when it comes to visa applications. I mean, the fact that we even have this podcast in the first place is proof that P- Filipinos are praning about visas. But yes, I am applying for a Schengen visa to go to Europe also this year. And my boyfriend, who is French, parang ano siya, parang, bakit ang dami mong requirements? Ba't parang kabadong-kabado ka? <laughs> you know, I'm I, I'm from a third world country and we always have to prove ourselves. So, yeah. yes, same with your boyfriend. But since, ano naman yung, apart from the the parenting, you know, yung getting a bit of that parenting skill, what other bits about the country's culture and attitudes have you ad- adapted for yourself? I don't know if you've heard this from other people from Europe that you've spoken to, but they have a really strong agenda culture here. Mm-hmm. So agenda is your schedule or your diary, and you always plot what you're going to do. Like whenever I want to meet with somebody like a Dutch friend, I have to schedule that and put it in a calendar. It's like mm-hmm. it's like work, you know, you have to block that time for them. And they re- they have so much value for time here. Everything is pre-scheduled like two, three weeks before. So I thought that was like really nice. Of course, you can still be spontaneous with some people or with certain activities. But for example, that QT or that quality time with people that you have to pre-book that. And I learned that as well. For example, if I want to do a play date with my daughter's friends, I, I have to pre-book that with people. Even time to do a family day, I also pre-book that or like with friends. For most people, they see it as a bit formal. And I also like Filipinos who first come here and they hear about the agenda culture and they want to, for example, meet with a Dutch friend. But they're like, no, I'm not free on, on the next three Tuesdays or something. Get a bit shocked. Nah, schedule na yun, dalawang Tuesday na yun. <laughs> yeah, and everything is pre-booked here, man. So when Corona happened and you have have set appointments for everything the Dutch were living. They're like, yes, I like this. <laughs> everything is scheduled. So yeah, that, that was uh, something that I really adapted as well. I also like that. <laughs> A little bit of structure in your life, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The older we are, the more we appreciate structure. Yeah. Did you also, by the way, have to learn Dutch in there? Yeah. So we have, if you come here as an immigrant, so now I'm considered an immigrant, right? Because I'm under a partner visa. You have to do a Inbergenics examen, which is like a civic integration exam. Mm. So it's so funny because it's, they call it civic integration. So you need to integrate into society. So it's like five different types of things that you need to do or six or seven, seven things that you need to do. One is where you learn about the core values of the Netherlands. So it's called your participation statement and how you will participate as a resident of this country. And another one is like orientation to the job market, which I didn't have to do because I already had a job. I was exempted from it. And then you have the test of how Dutch are you. So you have the speaking, the the listening, the writing, the the reading, and also knowledge of Dutch society. So who is the queen? Or like, <laughs> which city of the Netherlands was bombed during World War II? Or stuff like that. So it's part of the process of being in this country that you need to know a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. And I also am practicing Dutch. I don't practice it with my boyfriend, of course, because your partner is your worst sparring partner when it comes to the language. It's not natural for you guys to speak that way. So I always find other ways to do it at work or when I'm outside ordering stuff or just when I'm alone, I practice it. And so my boyfriend sometimes tend to get surprised when I reply to him in Dutch because it's like, 
you're talking to me in Dutch? <laughs> yeah, I actually talk more Dutch than you know, but we just don't do it because that's not our dynamic. We are not used to speaking that language together. So yeah, I, I had to learn it as, well, <laughs> as part of my integration. <laughs> Is it really prevalent there? I mean, do you really have to learn Dutch to survive day-to-day conversation with people? That's the thing. People here are so good in English. They're also very considerate. When they hear you struggling, they will switch. Like, do you need me to speak in English? And they would speak in English. It's not like Germany where you're forced to really converse in German because people would not speak to you and hear It's such a globalized country. During Brexit, all of the English companies were moving here. A lot of the hubs in Europe are in here. So in Amsterdam, the global offices are here. So that's why they are also really good in English. It's harder to practice it because you have people who would immediately switch to English if they hear you struggling. Because also they don't have the time to be patient with you. It's, it's like if, if you're going to talk to somebody who knows elementary Dutch, you also have to think of elementary words to reply to them. So mm. they don't have that luxury of time to, yeah. to try to make it easy for you. So that's why it's a bit hard. But that's why it becomes also your responsibility to exercise it with other people at some point. So it is harder compared to other countries too. <laughs> to really practice the language. <laughs> yeah, well, they're very considerate, as you said. At, yeah. ko lang, this is a very random question, but I keep hearing that Dutch people are tall. Are they tall? Are they much taller than you? <laughs> I think yung height ko is like the average height of their elbows. So if <laughs> I stand up, like their elbows literally, when they're like holding their phones up and filming something, I'm like literally in their armpit. Parang amuiko, amuiko. <laughs> I'm really short. It's a true conception, sorry, that the Dutch people are generally tall. Women are generally tall. But there are also average height people here. I think people are much taller in the colder countries, like the Nordics. They're very tall. But here, like, I do find some guys like seven feet high and yeah, I get shocked sometimes how tall people are. And I guess ngayon medyo sanay na ako how tall people are. But in the beginning, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> hanggang siku niya lang ako. Ang talaga nila, grabe. Buti hindi ako nakatira You know what I find really interesting here in terms of work culture? Like I mentioned earlier that they have clear boundaries. So if work stops at 5.30, you cannot contact people. If people are on leave, you cannot contact them at all. If you're on leave and you go online, your HR can reprimand you for that. (laughs) And your workmates are not your friends. In the Philippines, if there's like a oh, weekend na ang kainuman mo, mga kawork mo, diba? Or like mm. on weekends, you're still on Viber together. Here, that's not a thing. You're friends at work, but after work, you have a life outside. So they have like really clear boundaries in terms of work and personal life. I really dig that. And sick leaves are also not deducted from your regular leaves. If you're sick, you're insured. So the company is paid for your being sick. You're insured for that. So it's not deducted. When I wanted to go on sick leave, I told my boyfriend, ayoko, ayoko mabawasan yung annual leaves. Kasi sabi niya, ano yun? <laughs> Walang ganun dito. Hindi siya binabawas sa leaves. If you're sick, you're sick. If you check your leave allowance, you will see that it's not deducted. And true enough, like after three times of me forcing myself to go to work because I'm sick, I found out that it is not deducted. (laughs) And you're allowed to be sick in this country. It's okay. Those are 
interesting things that I found out here. Such privilege, you know, yeah. and immediately getting the benefits as soon as you're hired. Like you get to immediately have leaves and health insurance, etc. Immediately get them when you're hired. So that's good about this country. Yeah. And speaking of health, can you tell me more <laughs> about the social security benefits of Netherlands? So you, I told you that you have a social security number. So everything yeah. is connected there. In general, the country gives you what you need to do things on your own. Healthcare, unfortunately, is not free. It's privatized here. So you must pay for it. Unless you're earning minimum wage, then you can ask for a reimbursement from the government. So it's normally 100 euro per month. And that covers your dental. Uh, if you go to, for example, the hospital, you're covered. But you have what they call a, an allowance if you're a parent, for example, and you need extra daycare. Daycare here is really expensive. So if you are two people with just one income, you can apply for allowance. Basically, all parents can get this allowance. But there are levels if you are just both sufficient then you can get some kind of euro quarterly, a certain amount quarterly. But if you are like one income household, but two of you are there and then you have a kid, then you get more. So anytime uh, from the government, they can give it to you. But if you are immigrant, that impacts your residence. So if you ask help from the government, then for example, if you're going to apply for permanent residence, that's that will be impacted mm -hmm. by those uh, certain things. But in the end, education is free. The quality is same for every school, which is good. I don't, it's not like in the Philippines where you need to be in a private school or something or like public school is not. Unfortunately, the, you know, teachers are not paid properly here. Everything is like, uh, funded by the government. If you're a teacher, you have proper salary, proper holidays. Classrooms are funded by the municipal, so everything is free. It's just the healthcare. It's not. And if you're a kid, it's free until you're 18. Mm -hmm. Everything is free until you're 18. Your transportation, your healthcare, your dental, but eventually you start paying for it. So that's the only caveat. But, you know, like in the Philippines, when you get taxes, you almost feel annoyed that I'm paying so much for tax and you don't feel it. But here you feel it. So you may have almost 50% of your salary gone, but you feel it in everything. You feel it in the education, the quality of the transportation, the quality of the roads, the quality of everything. And ito pa yung parang clear indication that Dutch roads are better. Because when we were driving to Belgium, you feel as soon as you hit the Belgian border, is that you hear your car vibrating up and down. Like, oh, that's how good our roads are. I didn't even realize until we drove through the border. So, yeah, you feel it. Which is good. And even for people who don't have employment, for example, they are supported by the mm -hmm. government. You are allowed to, like, okay, for three months without employment, get ayuda. So it's good. It's yeah. it's still good. Yeah. And when you said that education is free, did you mean up to 18 years old? Libre? Yeah. Yeah. So yung primary school mo, like uh, the basis hole, uh, it's free. So you only pay, I think you heard this, like in Germany, you pay like a semestral contribution if you want to contribute, right? So if you're a parent, you can pay 30 to 35 euros to donate to the school as part of whatever, as a, as a contribution, kumbaga, but it's not also mandatory. Mm -hmm. So basic education is free here. And then if you go to the universities, it's not even that much compared to international Spain. It's yeah. like a thousand to two thousand euros a year. That's peanuts for some people. So 
it's almost free. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ang saya naman maging Dutch person. Pero, yung ano nga, yun, yun nga, we heard a lot of the good things about Netherlands. Can you tell us naman what the dark side or what are the things that about the country that we don't really see? You know, during my participation statement <laughs> where we talk about the core values of the Netherlands, the guy who was giving the workshop said that Netherlands is a country of contradiction because you have things like, okay, weed is legal, some consumption of illegal drugs are legal, but you cannot sell drugs. Or Rotterdam, for example, is the hub of the drug, the central drug capital, right? you know, like they have all these rules. Everybody should have a home, but not everybody can afford it. Dutch people, if you, like I said earlier, you can get Ayuda, right? If you have a student loan that immediately cuts 50% of your mortgage, uh, like what you can get for your mortgage. So as a Dutch person who had that loan, you cannot even afford a house, but you can afford a certain rent because you have that salary. But because you have a loan, you cannot afford that house that you want. So those those things, like even freedom, to say that, oh, you can live freely, uh, you can express yourself freely, but those things like getting homes you know, or like how they put together immigrants. Certain parts of the city are mostly immigrant areas and those get also judged as you don't want to live there because it's an immigrant area. They still have these bias mm. towards things. So it's not, it's still as much as Netherlands look like a picture perfect place to live in. It's not a paradise. You're still constantly fighting for your space. As I mentioned earlier, you're still proving your worth. Education is not equal. Yung education ko sa Pilipinas is not the same here. So I need to give them extra reason to keep me around. So those things that you feel like you need to prove your worth, to fight for your space, to integrate even, the fact that you need to do some kind of integration. And even their idea of integration is, oh, kailangan alam mo lang tong mga bagay na to, okay ka na. But it takes more than that. If you are an asylum seeker, integrating in a country takes more than just learning the language or learning about the Dutch society. It's a two-way street. You also need to learn about how these people do things. May ganong contradiction pa rin. So, it's not a perfect country at the end, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like at the end of the day, you will still stay there and it looks like it's a better, greener place for you. Yeah, this is my, uh, indeed, the greener side of things for me in terms of as a solo parent, as a woman in the Philippines, I didn't feel like I can move up. It felt like it was still the expats who were getting the jobs or who are getting the executive jobs or the senior jobs is still an expat or you know like it's still a guy and there's such a, a big gap in terms of income in the Philippines that it's not so big here there are extreme rich here and regular people so it's not like there's extreme poor so there are still good things that really motivates me to be here. And of course, my kid is also now here integrated, learning Dutch, it being in a Dutch school. So yeah, this is indeed where I guess I'm going to end up in. <laughs> yeah, and it's so good to hear that you're, you and your your daughter are in a good place with your partner. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Singe, for uh, this interview, for People who want to know more about you and your story, where can they find you? Of course, you can add me on LinkedIn, Cinch Molina, if you search me. Or I can also share a link. Or on Instagram, you can also message me on Instagram, Cinch Molina, as well. It's (laughs) super easy to remember. (laughs) Yeah, well, all of Cinch's links are in our show notes, everyone. So 
thank you very much for tuning into this episode. If you like this podcast, do follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Buy us a coffee. Send us an audiogram. Follow us on TikTok. Email us. Nako ang daming options. Do contact us. We love hearing from you. So thank you everyone and see you in the next two weeks. I'm Kring Laksan with Cinch Molina and this is The Greener Side. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.